Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Thank you, David. Um, Just want to say a couple of things um, before we get into the message. Firstly, um, you'll be really aware. Good morning, by the way. Hello. You'll be aware that we're in an exciting uh, season in the life of uh, Wellspring as we see so much growth and life and, and new people coming to faith in Christ and baptizing, all those kind of things. As part of what God's doing is actually a leadership transition uh, where Helen and I are going to be handing on over the senior leadership to David. And uh, as part of his preparation for that, before that happens in the autumn, uh, then we want to send David uh, a long way away. <laughs> Uh, in a good way. Um, so we, we would really like to send David uh, to spend some time in Israel um, and to do some study and go on retreat there. Uh, we'd also love, a, during a three-month sabbatical, to be able to uh, equip him uh, to go and visit other churches and other leaders and, uh, and just basically to go wherever his heart leads him uh, as part of that journey of a sabbatical. And so in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have the opportunity to sow into that financially. And I know Helen and I are looking for that opportunity. We wanted to share that with the rest of you uh, as a church family that we might be able to sow into that. So just begin now even, uh, praying and talking Uh, with those in your world to say, I wonder what we could give uh, and to sow into that. And as we do that, God will see that uh, and we'll be praying for David's sabbatical, which starts on, uh, I think it's the 11th, uh, the 10th, 11th of of April, just after Easter. Um, The other thing I just want to say, and if we didn't have the practicality of having to uh, send kids out and all of that kind of stuff and and give an offering, then I, I think we could have stayed in that moment we were in just about 10 minutes ago, um, a bit longer. And uh, we will have time before we finish today to kind of pick up some of those things. But I sense the Holy Spirit moving and wanted to bring reassurance to all here who uh, you're holding on to the promises of God uh, like by a thread. And you feel like your, your faith is like a thread. This is the image in my mind. I really want to encourage you, if that thread is Christ, it will not break. Okay, so there's someone here who needs to hear that. And before we go today, we're going to pray. And it might be someone at home where you just feel like you're just hanging on. Hear the word of the Lord. He is good. And the greatness that we were singing about, his greatness, uh, it's just a fact. It is true. Um, and I go off, to, off piece a little bit more if I can, if that's all right. Uh, we'll come back to the message. Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of spending some time with our daughter, our middle daughter, in Sheffield. Uh, we uh, went to see Watford play away from home at Sheffield United. And there was a player on the Watford team uh, called Jao Pedro. Now, he's actually very good. Uh, and, and his surname is actually Jesus. Anyway, um, uh, he's not like Jesus, although I think he loves Jesus. Anyway, this wasn't planned to say, as you can tell. Uh, we're in this crowd, and we're singing this song. Jao Pedro, oh, always believe in your soul. He's indestructible. And we're all singing about Joe Pedro. Do you know what? As we were singing that, uh, he missed an easy shot at goal. (laughs) He's not that great. And JP, if you're watching, you're probably my favorite, one of my favorite players. You're awesome. But 
But there we were singing, thousands of people singing the name of someone who doesn't really deserve it, to be honest. When we sing of the goodness of God, he deserves it. He, he is everything good. He is greatness personified. Can I hear an amen? So, so, so we could sing to Jao Pedro, and I was singing along, but nowhere near the same way I was singing right now, standing there of the greatness of God, because he really, 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 really is great. And there's no words in any language that can sum up his greatness. For all eternity, we'll be singing of that. So that's just a thought. He really is that good. And if you need to be reminded of his goodness, welcome to church. This is a good place. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, back in January, uh, we talked about the way that the Lord wants to flip this church. And, uh, and instead of uh, being alone, he wants to teach us what it means to be together. And that's part of what uh, God is wanting to do in our minds and in our hearts and in our relationships is that we might go from being alone to being together. And I found that on my desk earlier, and I thought, well, it took a while to to stick it, so I might as well show you again, from alone to together. And in this series, we're talking about what it means to be a family. And by that, I don't mean the nuclear family. I don't even mean biological family. I mean, what does it mean for us to learn what it is to be the family of God? And last week, Magdi explained to us that the, the foundation of this idea is that we've been adopted into God's family. So we are brothers and sisters if we are in Christ. And if we are in Christ, we will spend eternity together. Good news. Good, good news. Uh, we'll spend eternity together as brother and sister because we've been adopted by the same heavenly father. Can I hear any amen? So that's good news. Um, I want to talk today, the title of my talk is Great Grandparents. I want to talk about being uh, great grandparents. Now, there's a bit of a, I, I don't want to trigger anyone, I don't want to upset anyone. I could do without loads of emails uh, to complain that I've upset your feelings tomorrow morning. I mean, feel free to write if you want to, but I just, this, is a, this is like a disclaimer. Is that all right? Uh, I understand when it comes to generalizations, there are always exceptions, but this is what I'm talking about. When I talk about grandparents in the context of this message, I'm talking about the generation that has stopped having children. And I'm not talking about just those who have progeny, who have children. I'm talking about spiritually the generation that are in the grandparent era. There is a a social commentator called Louise Perry. She describes it when it comes to the females. She says, uh, going from, uh, uh, um, how did she put it? She says, uh, a maiden to a mother to a matriarch. Okay, there's kind of three distinct seasons. That's true. It's borne out biologically. Uh, Ladies, you know what I mean. And so I'm talking about those that are uh, pre-menstrual, those who are menstrual, and those who are menopausal. But it, it really just, I'll just call it like that. Uh, for, for, for men, it might be going from being a lad to a dad to a granddad. There's a stage. I'm talking in general terms. I'm talking to all of us who are of that age. When I say us, I have to tell myself to say that that is us because it now includes me. 
Now, you're looking at me and said, no, there's no way, Tim. There is no way. Not, I know what you're thinking. You're looking, there's no way he would consider himself a grandparent. Well, do you know what? Our kids have all, we don't have any more children, actually. Not because we got rid of them or palmed them <laughs> off. Um, but our youngest is now 18. Our children could have children. That makes us grandparents. We have done that parenting thing. I know we'll always be parents, but you understand what I'm saying. So will you understand that even if you've never uh, had a partner, been married, or even if you don't go on to have your own physical children, in the family of God, if you are of that kind of age, then you are called to be a great grandparent. Are we okay? All right. Are we on the same page with that? All right, good. I can actually then get into my message because I want to talk to us about great grandparents. And this message is both for those who find ourselves in that category or everyone else who's listening. Because we want to celebrate the importance and the significance of grandparents, and there's a charge and opportunity to be great. At the end of this time, before we go through the main doors, out through uh, into the rest of our week, we're going to have a moment in God, and we invite you to join us online with this moment, where we are going to pray for the grandparent generation. And so the children are going to come back in, the young people are going to come back in, all the teams are going to come back in, we'll find room for them, and we're are going to pray for God's blessing that we might have in this church family for the sake of God's kingdom, we might have great grandparents and we want to pray a blessing. And I'm going to stand there and I'm looking for a really good prayer from your child or from the young people downstairs. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready. And this is perfectly legitimate because God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, three generations. And our vision for this church is that we would, we, from the very beginning was that we, we would be a multi-generational, a tri-generational church. Whilst many different churches started and different things and ministries happened to focus on young people, we were like, yeah, we want to focus on young people and not so young people and really not so young people. God's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So let's think about this for a moment. We're going to walk through some scriptures here uh, just to give us some background. And then I've got a few ideas that are specific to who we are um, as a church. Then we're going to pray. In Exodus chapter 18, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, uh, we have an encounter between Moses and his father-in-law. And instead of it being awkward, when Jethro, who didn't really have the same revelation of who God was, as in they weren't necessarily on the same page, but God still used Jethro to give Moses some advice he needed to hear about, how, about his leadership. Now, Moses could have told him, get, get lost, you old codger, but he didn't. In, 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 uh, in Exodus 18, verse 24, listen to this. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. Full stop. Moses demonstrated humility before the grandparent generation, effectively uh, the generation before him. Are we all right with that? So then, just a matter of weeks later, after this encounter, there's this, all I can describe as like a volcanic revelation of God on Mount Sinai. The people of God are there, Moses is there, and there's a download from heaven to the people of God given to Moses uh, that are now known as the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. 
And before I read the Ten Commandments, because it might have been a while since you've uh, read them. Maybe you, maybe you recite them every morning. I don't know. Maybe you recite them to your family members. Uh, certainly, the Fifth Commandment, uh, my parents reminded me of on a regular basis. We'll come to that in a moment. But I just want to underline, the Ten Commandments are not primarily uh, about our personal morality. This is actually given instructions, guide rails. The law was given as guide rails for the forming of a community where there is shalom, where there is holistic peace. And God's plan was to put a people on the earth that would be like heaven on the earth and how they would relate to him and how they would relate to their environment, how they would relate to each other would would show the rest of the world what God is like. And so the Ten Commandments start like this. Notice the word people. Then God gave the people all these instructions. Exodus 20. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. Secondly, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tell, tolerate your affection for any other gods. Uh, any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Fourthly, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Fifthly, honor, let's read it together. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. He goes on to say, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet, even if they live on the Casterbury, that is. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey or Ferrari, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Thus says the Lord. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. The word in the Hebrew that's used here is actually, uh, the word for honor is heavy. Kabod. Heavy. And uh, so you can, I see there's some kind of parallel. Words have different meaning, but there's a sense of honor is to see and understand the weight of something. Like gold, you know. Heavy. And, and we are commanded as a people uh, to, to heavy, to honor our fathers and mothers. This is a collective thing. This isn't just about me and my mum and dad. This is about me 
and everyone else who I would consider like a father and a mother in the family of God. That we are collectively commanded, uh, even if we don't know our biological parents, we're collectively commanded to honor our father and mother, our fathers and mothers. It means to prize, to value, to show high respect, great esteem, to heavy And it has nothing to do with whether or not the fathers and mothers need to go to Weight Watchers or anything. It has nothing to do with that. It's about about spiritual weight, moral weight. It's about substance weight to recognize the substance of grandparents, if I can translate it that way. Now, Jesus uh, quoted this in the book of Matthew. He could have easily reinterpreted this. He could have said, oh, it doesn't matter anymore. This is a new age. Actually, Jesus came to fulfill the law of Moses. And in uh, Matthew chapter 15, he's having an argument, a discussion uh, with the Pharisees and teachers of law. It says in in 15 verse 1, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And then Jesus replies with a question to their question. And uh, why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I vowed to give to God what I would have given you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. And he quotes quotes Isaiah 29. When he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. This is a command from the Lord. That we as the people of God still, in 2023, would honor our fathers and mothers. That we would show them respect for their weight. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You see, Jesus calls out their hypocrisies that their words and their deeds do not do the very thing that God actually said would bring a blessing on them and bring peace in the land, would bring shalom. In the Greek, the word used uh, here uh, is to prize, to value, to revere, to honor. And we are being invited in Wellspring Church to look at this again because God is wanting to do something to bring us together. And as he brings us together to recognize the gold that there is in the grandparent generation. Hallelujah. And we honor simply because that's who you are and who this generation is. Now, I keep finding myself realizing that I am speaking to myself and about myself because I'm just at this transition point between being in the parent generation to now realizing I'm actually in the grandparent generation. And what a delightful transition that is. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church, he very much targeted what he said. 
to the specific situation that they were in. But there's still some general principles that we can get. And uh, we're going to read a little bit from the book of Titus. This was a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to Titus. And he was in a place called Crete. Anyone been there on holiday to, to Crete? Is it nice? I'd like to go one day. Okay. Might need some recommendations from you. Um, but uh, you've heard the word cretins, right? Well, it comes from the, the island of Crete. They were really, they were a debauched people, as in they, they were renowned for how they behaved and because their families were in a mess, the way they treated each other. It was not a great place. And in the middle of that, there's a group of Christians in a church. And so Paul writes to Titus to give them instructions about how he was to lead and teach the people who were surrounded by cretins. This is what it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and uh, be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Now, there's a whole sermon to unpack in that itself. And some of that, obviously, is making a statement. What's con- what he's concerned about is the witness that the word of God is being lived out in the church that other people can look in and say those people, they don't just say they love Jesus. They're actually living according to what they say they believe. Yes? That there would be integrity amongst the church. And Titus is given as a young leader. He's charged with telling the older, uh, the older uh, men and women how to live. Remember, this is in the first century. Some of them have only just become Christians in their, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, or whatever. Teach them that what, what's in the word is to be lived out. So it's not... A strange thing then that I can suggest that there are a few things that I believe God's laid on my heart for us as a church family. Drawing some of these strands together, what does it mean and how, do we, how can we be great grandparents? And now talking about myself, realizing that I, have, I am in that place of passing into that role. So I, I'm talking to myself. But I'm talking to some of you in the room here as well. And listen, if you're of the parent generation, listen carefully because it won't be very long. And you'll be here. Firstly, the charge to great-grandparents is to share godly wisdom. To speak out what God has revealed to us. we, We must share the wisdom that we have. It is really important we take time to uh, maybe even to write down, to speak, to, to consider what has God revealed to us about who he is. It's important, you know, great-grandparents share the wisdom that has been gained over the years. Because, you know, that wisdom was hard for through making loads of ridiculous mistakes. I'm just talking about myself now. Uh, the wisdom comes through hard experience, through pain, through heartache, through failure, through uh, seasons of repentance and then breakthrough and then more repentance 
sentence again. You add that up over decades, and before long, you do get wisdom, but it was hard to get there. So share. It is important that grandparents share what we have learned. Secondly, to live timeless values. We all know people that get into the grandparent uh, phase and they know exactly what everyone ought to do. Anyone met? Anyone been that person or met? We know exactly that if the world went according to these values, these things that I believe, these things that are in the truth, even these things that are in the Bible that I believe to be self-evident, and if only everyone did what this was, listen, guys, we need to live those timeless values. What matters is not what we say we believe or values we hold on to. Values are really shown in how we live. Which is why Paul talks uh, to Titus and said, urge them to live out a godly life and to live the scriptures so that shalom may be the result. That's why he challenges uh, the old, he said, challenge the old women about if they're getting into drunkenness and drinking. Maybe that was a specific problem that they had. There's a challenge there to be sober and to live out what we say we believe by the grace of God. Thirdly, to nurture loving families. Our job is to nurture, to encourage, to facilitate, to lead. Remember we talked a few weeks ago. We're all leaders that are called to bring shalom. So in our families to keep creating environments where shalom is normal. And if that means occasionally turning off the TV and insisting that everyone sits around a table and has a conversation then let's nurture loving families. If it means intervening when there's bickering, if it means actually refereeing, assisting, helping, praying, our job is to create and to nurture loving families. And you might be here today and say, well, I don't have that kind of family. My arrangement's different. Listen, we still have the responsibility, even in the church family, to encourage and to nurture loving families of all shapes and sizes. Fourthly, to celebrate new solutions, to welcome the creativity of the next generation. Now, I am speaking to myself because I had a little episode on Friday I just want to share with you about. You see, five years ago, something like that, um, I were, we were being mentored. We still are being supported uh, by various apostolic advisors. One of them said, uh, he came to the Wellspring, and uh, I was saying, I really want some help in, uh, in nurturing David Dodwell and other leaders around the time. I, I just want to really pass on what I've learned uh, to them so they can grow. And he goes, well, why are you sat in this office then? At that time, I had an office that's kind of down there somewhere. Wait, just underneath where you're sitting. Uh, fairly small office filled with uh, kind of bookshelves and enough room for a desk and, and one or two other chairs. And I sat there all the way through the day. And, and, and he used to say, well, he said to me, he said, Tim, why are you sitting in this office? It's like, well, it's my office. I said, no, why are you sitting in this office? And then wishing that you had more time to interact with David and the rest of the team. What can you do about it? I said, well, I think we can knock down that wall. So that's what we did. We knocked down the wall that was between two small offices, so we had a larger space. We brought the other team in, and we could interact just informally. 
And I could hear how David was talking on the phone to, to some of you and to other people. I could, uh, I could have little incidental conversations. I could sense what God was doing in David's life and the life of some of the other younger leaders. I could do that just as a natural course. And you know what? It's helped. And look, it seems to have worked. <laughs> Friday. I pop into the office and I find our centre manager, uh, Jordan, uh, who's playing the guitar very well today, awesome today. Um, he, he, um, he was there talking to Dave Penny and uh, talking, he said, uh, yeah, 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 that's, um, that's where we can uh, put the wall back. What? Put the wall back? I knocked that wall down. It's like, yeah, David, David, as in, I haven't, you know, I haven't even left the staff team yet. <laughs> David thinks it might be better for the organization of team and workstations and spaces to put the wall back. Now, obviously, my immediate response was, hallelujah! <laughs> I did never like it like that anyway. There's a new solution here, and praise God for the new things he's going to do through David, and nothing's going to, he can change everything if he wants to, and I'm just cheering him on all the way to change everything. Now, that was after I prayed. That was kind of a response. <laughs> My first response was, not that good. You see, we need to celebrate initiative, creativity. Uh, we need to celebrate, and I do, and I say this in your presence, and this is even on the internet. David, uh, Helen and I are cheering you on to do new things, to innovate, to initiate, to, to break new ground, to make change, to change your changes, to, to bring new changes in. And do you know what? We're cheering you on. And our job is to celebrate the new things that God wants to do through new leaders and new initiative. Hallelujah. Amen. We need to celebrate new solutions. Even if we don't fully understand, that means that our solutions could be improved upon. Fifthly, to tell honest stories. Grandparents, great-grandparents, tell honest stories. We've all been with those that maybe whose heart has become harder in latter years. Or the stories have become all about them. And we don't want to be like that. I think we want to be like those who tell honest stories about the goodness of God. Honest about failings, honest about experiences. Uh, not trying to uh, pretend that we were what we weren't. I'm inspired those, by those grandparents that are even further on in years than I am, who've even on their deathbed have been talking more about the goodness of God than themselves, whose hearts are soft before the Lord. And they tell honest stories about what they've been through and about failings and about mistakes about regrets. I've been to so many Assemblies of God ministers' training events and conferences, I can't even count them all. I can't remember most of what happened in most of the times. But I remember one session when I was a minister in training, the national leadership team at the time, they took well over an hour to go through the 10 mistakes we made and what we learned. I remember realizing in that moment, as a young leader, 
in my mid-twenties, I remember thinking, if it's okay for them to make mistakes and learn from them, then however long I serve the rest of my life, I'm going to keep making mistakes, and God, would you help me to learn from them? And I hope that I learned from some of their mistakes so I didn't make theirs. I just made some new ones of my own. It's important we tell honest stories, admit failings and failures. If I could sum it up, it seems really simple. What we need and what a great grandparent is, is someone who lives and loves for Jesus. (laughs) To simply, great grandparents love Jesus and live for him as well. Seems simple, but it's still a challenge. And there's a repentant heart in me today that says, God, before your people, for any time that we haven't done these things that seem to be so in line with your heart, Lord, would you forgive us and would you help us? Can I hear an amen? Amen. On uh, Friday, we were reminded, I was reminded again of the brevity of life. Uh, Thelma Sparks, a dear elder at the Ark Community Church in Watford, uh, a real senior saint. A pr- uh, uh, she was like a prophetic powerhouse, a battle, ox- a battle axe in the hand of God, you know. She was able to, she was an amazing woman of God. And, and as, there's a whole, they were like... I don't know, maybe a hundred people crammed into a room to give thanks to God for her life on Friday afternoon. And uh, in that context, uh, just so happened, sat next to Helen uh, was the lady in this picture. If I can uh, show this, if we could show this picture. Okay, the lady in the picture on the left, her name is Eileen Vincent. Her and her husband, Alan, rescued what was a dying Assemblies of God fellowship in Watford Town Centre. Um, this goes back to the uh, late 80s. And they kind of rescued that, repurposed the Assemblies of God Church. Uh, and there was a spiritual renewal that took place in the 70s and 80s that Alan and Eileen were really a key part of. And this church is here because of the faithfulness of Alan and Eileen to pick up, if you like, to tend the well and to take the bucket from the well that is the wellspring and to spread it even to other nations and parts of India. And uh, Eileen happened to be there at this funeral. And uh, I thought it would be really good uh, to uh, honor her. And uh, this has been in my mind. So Helen and I stood with her and I just simply took her hand and I had to point out, I mean, she's getting on in years um, I had to kind of remind her uh, the context. And I said, you know, you remember, uh, you remember you handed over Watford Community Church to Gordon and Rachel. Obviously, she knows that. It's her daughter. You handed over to that generation. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, uh, not long after, then uh, we're, this, we're Tim and Helen. And uh, we, took, we were handed on. And so we've been leading the church for the last 24 years uh, oh, yeah, 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 that's good. Um, and uh, guess what? There's really good news is that we're, this year we're handing over the leadership of this church family to David Dodwell. Oh, Dodwell, Dodwell, I know that name. I don't know why she knows your name. She, she didn't know who we were, and no, I'm just joking. They, um, and she's like, oh, that's so good, that's so good. I said, yeah, it's so good, it's so good. And just held her hand and said, and I, this was in my mind, I might not get this opportunity again. So Eileen, I want to say thank you for faithfully serving in this church family all those years ago. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you. 
And thank you for passing on to Gordon and to Rachel. Thank you. Thank you for what you did, how you served. And thank you for your faithfulness and your faith, because we're seeing now the fulfillment of some of what you prayed about all those years ago. It was a little moment. But it seems to me that we need to recognize the weight and the value of our fathers and mothers. So what do we say to great-grandparents? And I'll finish with this. I'm coming to land because I want us to pray. Uh, What the grandparents in this church family need to hear is this. Firstly, we see you. We see you. You're not overlooked. I know it's felt like that. I know at times you have been. But in this church family, we want to say you're not overlooked. You are seen. The second thing we want to say is we respect you. We haven't always respected you. We haven't. But we say in the, in the presence of God, by his grace, Lord, would you help us in this? We respect you. We respect you because you're older. We respect you because, they, because we're, we're told if we honor our fathers and mothers, it will go well with all of us in the land. Amen. And we'll receive our inheritance. Ephesians 6, 2 reminds us, and, and Paul made a point of this. He said, he said, this is the only commandment with a promise. The promise is it will go well in the land. So we respect you because we respect you. Even if you made some really stupid decisions, even if you've let us down, even if you've hurt us, guess what? We still choose in the presence of God to respect you. Thirdly, we need you. Please would you help us raise the next generation. So the parent generation say to the grandparent generation and the children say, we need you. Fourthly, we believe in you. Old men will dream dreams. We believe in you. We believe that there are great things still ahead for you. No one is writing you off. In the kingdom of God, no one gets retired. Hello? I'm going to say, in the kingdom of God, no one gets retired, just refired. No one gets decommissioned, just recommissioned. So we say, we believe in you, that God has a place for you. And in fact, the even greatest work of your life is still ahead of you. Uh, Fifthly, we thank you for your sacrifice. And we haven't always been grateful. But we say in the presence of God, we thank you. Thank you for praying and trusting Thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for paying for us. Thank you. And when we do this, we find ourselves brought together, and this is God's heart. Because when all three generations flow together, it will be well with us in the land the Lord has given us. Amen? Amen. Finally, we're going to finish in the right place to finish a message like this, and that is with Jesus on the cross. You see, there's so much pain around this. And for some of us, the pain is the fact that the grandparents in our lives are no longer with us. And there's pain. That's tough. Maybe we never had someone in our own biological family that can play that role. But guess what? The good news is that in the church... There are plenty of grandparents. 
So we come to Jesus on the cross. What if the band could come up and we're going to sing together? If um, come to Jesus on the cross, and it says this in John chapter 19. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Picture the scene. Most of the disciples are off and they're afraid. But this is who's standing there. Verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, which was John, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this, this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. On the cross, Jesus hangs there to pay for our, our arrogance and our pride and our shame and, and to bring healing to all of our regrets and our failures and the messes that we've made. And there he is before him, even nearly with his dying breath, bringing the generations together. John, here is your mother. Mother, here is John. How much more do we need in this broken society with so much cynicism and hurt and bitterness and anger and mistrust and arrogance? All around us, we're surrounded by, if I could say, surrounded by cretins. In, in the midst of that, how much more does the Lord want to say to us as a church, I'm going to do something different among you. I'm going to do something different among you, Wellspring Church, and you will honor your fathers and mothers. And when you do, it will be good for you in the land that God has given you. So I'm going to say a simple prayer. And as we sing this next song, we're going to sing about the goodness of God. As we do this, uh, parents, I, I wonder if you could very quickly go and collect your kids from their groups and bring them back in and encourage the leaders to come as well. And as that happens, uh, we're going to sing together and then we're going to do some prayer. So, Lord, we just thank you as that happens, Lord. We just want to say thank you for your word. Lord, help us not just to be hearers of it, uh, but doers in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. in person and online.